When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to another Bike Radar podcast. I'm Rob Spenning from Bike Radar and today I am joined by Simon Bromley and Jack Luke and they are going to be talking to me about the Tour de France today. This is one of our Super special Tour de France specials that I'm sure you're going to absolutely love and enjoy. And today, Simon and Jack and I will be discussing time trials and specifically what appears to be, certainly to us, the diminishing um, power, importance of time trials in the Tour de France. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start, I'm gonna put my put my cards on the table. I actually quite enjoy watching time trials in the Tour de France, always have done. Simon, are you a fan? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the time trials. Um yeah, and, and I think it's it's a real shame that the they seem to they seem to be dwindling in quantity and distance and importance in in kind of all of the all of the grand tours. I'm I'm very I'm very upset about it. So I hope we're going to have a nice TT love in today and change some minds. And Jack, like Simon, I know that you are a pro, almost semi-pro time trialist, <laughs> often seen in a, a tight, tight-fitting skin suit, whizzing around the roads of uh, Chew Valley here in uh, gorgeous southwest of England, um, occasionally crashing, but we won't talk about that. So, you yeah. like doing time trials, Tour de France? Do you like watching time trials? Yes, absolutely. I mean, purely from my perspective of my role and my interest in cycling, I think the tech which is involved in time trials is is fascinating, you know, as fascinating as bike tech can be. But, uh, you know, there's so much variance and interesting stuff to look at in terms of TT tech that that's one of the things I enjoy about it. And, you know, a moderate amount of peril and, and a different racing format in the midst of the tour is no bad thing. So yes, I think it's safe to say we're all fans of the format. Now we put it out there at the start that, that time trials, yeah, you're seeing fewer time trials uh, in the Tour de France. I'm old enough to remember um, the olden days when, when you know, the race would always start with a prologue, um, usually at somewhere like, I know, I think it was, was it called Futuroscope or somewhere like that uh, in France yeah. or, or Disney World. And they'd race around there. Uh, I've got very vivid memories of David Miller sort of uh, racing, probably with a chance of getting the yellow jersey, shipping his chain. I've got memories of Chris Boardman 
always being in the yellow jersey because he would win win a time trial at the start. Uh, I'm old enough to remember vaguely, vaguely uh, big Mig or Miguel Indurain of uh, Benesto, the Spanish five times Tour de France winner. He was a you know he was a he was a time trial god. Um, so and that makes me think there used to be loads of time trials. Every stage was a time trial, right? I mean, I, not really, but <laughs> is it true? Are we seeing less of them? Uh, number and sort of kilometers i guess yeah we are so i think obviously most so but prior to the kind of 2010s you tended to have over kind of 50 kilometers of time trialing in each edition and and actually in during some of the armstrong years you often had over 100 kilometers of time trials and some of those would have been individual time trials obviously some of them would have been team time trials um but sort of since since 2007, it's kind of been steadily going downhill. 2012 was a bit of an outlier. Obviously, that was the Bradley Wiggins Tour de France, the one that he won. But um, 2015, for example, had just 14 kilometres of individual time trials. And last year's had only 27 kilometres of individual time trials. But the, the trend is gen- generally down, which is very sad. And why do we think this is? You know, I mean, there will be people who will say, good riddance. You know, I don't want to watch one man riding a bike with a funny helmet in a really horrible position for an hour or so. Um, it's not the romance of the tour. You know, the, the Tour de France is about suffering. It's about climbing. It's about you know, the mountains. It's about the castles. It's about, I was going to say something else, but I'm not going to say it. Um, so, so, Jack, you know, why, why are we seeing less of it, do you think? I think you've really kind of hit the nail on the head there where, you know, one of the joys of watching the tour is looking at where they're going and, and the beautiful scenery and the places they travel through. And the, the sh- from a purely practical perspective, while let's say a 100 kilometre time trial might go through some truly stunning terrain, you're dealing with however many hundred riders rather than a single bunch and a couple breakaways perhaps at most. So in terms of what you can show in screen time, it's unlikely you're going to get quite as delicious a viewing experience as the regular bunch. And it is true, there is none of the kind of, in the actual racing itself, apart from the odd horrendous crash, there is very little drama, which is partly what makes watching bike racing so exciting. So I think it would be puerile to suggest that uh, pressure from the media and the desire for um, drama in the tour has definitely played a part in reducing the number of kilometres or the number of time trials for certain. I think that's a big, big part of it. Um, and I think that's sad, to be honest, because like we said, it can bring some excitement amongst uh, more traditional stages. Could it be argued that, you know, time, having lots of time trial kilometres in, in the race actually sort of uh, makes the balance um, towards the, the, the time trial specialists? And, you know, I suppose we could argue recently that Wiggins was a TT specialist. You know, he was Olympic champion. Chris Froome, pretty darn good on, on a time trial bike. If you have more time trial kilometres, does it give them a better chance of um, getting a, building up a lead? Say, you know, if the pro, the first first couple of time trials are long, gives them a chance to put space between them and their their rivals. Simon, you, I'm guessing you're probably not going to agree with that. <laughs> no, actually, I, I kind of do. I think, I think it probably, you know, I think what we, the, the Tour de France was traditionally always won by more kind of all-round type riders. You know, if you look at someone like Eddie Merckx, he was built much more, you know, a much bigger rider than you, the guys you see winning today. And obviously, as we've kind of 
you know, got more mountains, steeper climbs, all of these things. The kind of archetypal Tour de France rider has turned into someone who can climb, you know, almost practically as good as they can time trial because time trialing has become less important. But I, I think if there were more time trials, we, we would see, you know, especially the King of the Mountains competition that might actually be won by, by the actual best climber in the race for a change rather than someone who's just kind of grow, going in the breakaways, you know, hoovering up points on the off chance of getting some TV time. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I still, you know, the the racers who have won the Tour de France in the last 10 years have been people who can time trial and climb very, very well. So that's, you know, Chris Froome, Geraint Thomas, Igamba now, and obviously you've got Tom Dumoulin and these types of people. And I still think if we increased the number of time trials, they would probably still be fighting for the win and they would probably have a bigger gap over the climbers. I don't necessarily think it would make the, the race any less exciting, though. I think actually... The problem now is that the level on the climbs is so good that when we have these, you know, repeated mountain stages, which look lovely from a scenery point of view, but they actually tend to not provide too much drama because once you've seen one mountain stage, everyone's fitness is essentially the same. And we're just waiting for, you know, someone to get an injury or someone to crash. And and I, and I think, yeah, I, I feel the balance has sort of just just tipped the other way. And I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not arguing that we should return to the days of the longest time trials of the Tour de France, which in 1947, there was a 139 kilometre individual time trial. <laughs> um, I, I, I like to think that was a sort of around a, a one mile circuit as well. Yeah. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. An, air, an airfield. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not so I'm not arguing for a return to that, but I think the balance could be better. Hmm. I mean... As I, I, I like time trials. You know, there, to me, there is there is excitement in watching a man sitting on a plastic chair <laughs> under a marquee, looking at a clock. Um, but maybe I'm just a bit unusual there. But I suppose it makes you sound like a bowling club fan, Rob. Actually, it makes I, I you like, sound I like that more. too. I like that too. I mean, it, but there isn't. I suppose there isn't that you. You know, you're saying that. What I, I liked your comment there. Once you've seen one mountain stage, you've seen them all. I, I think there'll be a load of people gnashing their teeth now and throwing whatever they have at their. I don't know what their, their phones. Throwing their phones at their TVs because of what you said. Because. That's the sort of thing that you know, that is excitement. Seeing someone in a you know trying to make a sprint up a, a climb, someone like you know in the days of Contador, just get stamping on the pedals, flying up the hill. Well, we um, don't see too much of that anymore for some reason, do we? No, no, <laughs> we, we don't. But um, but you you don't get that sort of mano and mano sort of com- competition, do you? In, in a time trial, it's not you know it's. I think you do. I mean, obviously, you know, the most famous one is the kind of Le Mans versus Fignon one. And I know that kind of was a, a, you know, there was a bit of luck of circumstances around that. But I still I still think when, you know, what you're looking for is closely matched competitors. And I still think you can do that. I mean, Jack, you you must have some thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think for me, the, the, the saying that you've seen one, once you've seen one mountain stage, you've seen them all. I think that's probably true of the the time trials as well. I kind of I struggle to separate the my interest in the tech of the whole thing from what the racing, if that makes sense. You know, I I'm not a pure racing fan in that I actually care about the bikes and the tech that they use. Um, and I think now with the bikes, there's perhaps a bit of an inaccessibility. We talked about this a while ago, Simon. Outside mm. of a podcast, actually, we do talk about <laughs> these things day to day. Uh, but I think the like 
people won't recognise a time trial bike as as a bike that you would actually own. But in certainly here in the UK, where time trialing forms a large part of racing culture, it's actually not that uncommon for people to own time trial bikes. So I I don't know. I I think that there's still intrigue to be had in them. Um, and yeah, you can go on to say the uh, Fignon and uh, anecdote because my tour knowledge that far back isn't good enough, Simon. <laughs> oh, well, so essentially that's the kind of, you know, the, the, the Fignon versus Le Mans time trial is that it was the kind of 1989 tour where Le Mans won by eight seconds on a time trial on the last day around the Champs-Élysées. And it was the first time that triathlon bars had been used at the tour. And so obviously it caused a big stir because, you know, this American upstart stole the Tour de France from the French hero, on the last day in Paris, et cetera, et cetera. And it was obviously very, very dramatic because Le Monde finished just ahead of Fignon and then it became clear on the road as Fignon was finishing that he wasn't, he was going to lose the tour by eight seconds. Um, and so that was very dramatic. Uh, but obviously, had they not come in to that last day so close together, it wouldn't have been quite so dramatic. So there is a kind of, there was a bit of luck of circumstances there as well. And Fignon, if I remember rightly, was wearing a Terry Towin headband. I, I might be completely wrong there, but that's something. That, he looked, uh, yeah, he looked very fa- Jack Luke esque. Yeah, fans of Jack Luke. Oh, oh come on, that's radar. not very fair. I think I look more like him <laughs> than the other way around. Yeah. Come on. You, you need to check out Jack Luke's Hill Climb uh, Diaries on Bike Radar's YouTube channel. There's a cross plug for you, and you'll you'll see what we're talking about. It's well worth it's well worth a look. Um, and uh, it, it's completely thrown me off, of course, the thought of Jack uh, sweating away in his in his sweatbands. Um, so Jack, you were talking about the, you know, the the inaccessibility of of the bikes, and um, for me, actually, that's one of the attractions. Is I, you know, I don't ride a time trial bike, but I do like looking at them. They're like, you know, the supercars of of, of bicycling. They're 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 racing machines. They're pure weapons, aren't they? Really, um, and I think as a Brit, um, apologies to anyone listening who isn't British. I think you know, time trialing is a very it's a very British thing we invented it in the 40s because we weren't allowed to race uh race on roads and obviously the, the the technology sort of developed through triathlon but really been accepted by ordinary blokes in britain who ride basically it's the equivalent of turning up to a supermarket in a formula one car isn't it if you if you're like me you're in your 40s you're very slow and you turn up on a tt bike but people do it so so the tech is obviously an, an attraction and so jack what are your thoughts on that why do you like the tech i think it's for exactly what you say i think in 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 road bikes as in just traditional normal road bikes there is some variation between riders but with time trial bikes it can be either like a question of compromise and whether that's fit or the tech that's available to the team or there's other like you know real aeros very very marginal aero advantages which you can find on these bikes uh, i know simon a time trial expert amongst our number isn't adverse to the idea of for example sellotaping over the bolts in the front of his stem or the underside of his pedals and looking at the pros trying to eke out that very tiny advantage i think is super satisfying to see and like you say rob it is the the most cutting edge of tech of all time. Now, like you say, for us in the UK, it's a form of racing which is still very popular. Um, and perhaps outside of the UK, it's, it's not quite so well known. So that inaccessibility, you know, it's kind of hard for me to separate that from my experience of, of racing here. Um, and something Simon and I have discussed in the past is that, you know, should they perhaps have not allowed time trial bikes in the, the positions that they 
uh, allow you to get into with extensions and everything, maybe they shouldn't have allowed those to become legal at UCI level, and perhaps we should still be using drop bars. What, what do you think, Simon? Do you think that's something we should have stuck with? Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's funny because obviously I really like, you know, like you say, I love looking at time trial bikes. I think they're so cool. And actually, I really like riding them because the position does make a really big difference. But I think time trial triathlon bars really favour taller, bigger riders because because of the wheel sizes, you know, for a small rider to get into an aerodynamic position with a 700c wheel bike is actually very, very difficult. And so a bigger rider gains a much bigger aerodynamic advantage and already has that kind of power advantage that plays a big advantage on the flat as well. And yeah, there's an accessibility issue as well, because if you want to compete, if you know, if you turn up at any local time trial in the UK and you want to compete, you're going to need a time trial bike. And so you, you obviously you can buy clip-on aero bars for your road bike, but they're not as fast as a true time trial bike. So if you really want to compete, unless you're really something special, you, you're going to need a time trial bike. And that obviously costs a lot of money. So I do think, you know, whilst I'm not kind of, you know, gagging for the UCI to be banning new bits of tech, there, there was a kind of a, a moment there where perhaps the UCI should have said no, because... I, it maybe would have helped the sport remain a little bit more accessible uh, and stopped it kind of going off down that avenue. But obviously, you know, we can't really, well, I suppose we could wind back the clock now. The UCI, I'm sure, would love to wind back the clock, but I don't think we're, <laughs> we're not going to see it, are we? To 1999. Um, I, I think there's there's probably a whole, um, a whole podcast in actually should the Tour de France just be raced by cyclists who turn up, haven't trained for six months, and they're all on the same bike, and they all bought the bike from uh, from a high street chain. Um, there are still some available in some high street chains. Jack, as a brief as a brief segue, uh, like as putting time trials aside, let's say we did want to spice up the format of the Tour de France. What would be your preferred discipline? You'd like to to dive in there, maybe a week into it. Would you like them to do a, a cross country marathon race or a, a track race or maybe some gravel? That seems like the most plausible of the three. What do you reckon, boys? Well, the, the tour did do a little bit of graveling, didn't it, in 2018 uh, across the, the top of, uh, uh, of an Alp. I should be able to tell you exactly which one because I did that very attap. Uh, and it, it wasn't a huge, it wasn't a huge gravel section, but it was a, you know, a sort of a Strada Bianchi kind of um, equivalent. And it was, it was, it was quite good fun during the attack the tour whether it was fun during the actual tour de france i don't know but yeah we're well, sort of making a multi-discipline tour de france would be as long as they didn't involve uh running and swimming you know i mean it'd be, be all right wouldn't it <laughs> what do you yeah, reckon Simon? i think i think gravel would probably have to be the one i th- you know obviously for you know, purely commercial reasons the bike brands would love it but um but i think it would be interesting as well i think uh, you know i i have spoken to the occasional pro at a kind of product launch and they've you know a couple of them have bemoaned the kind of reaching for things that are sort of extreme or abnormal and obviously you know because if you're a professional there are certain dangers that come with doing these cobbled stages or the gravel stages you know especially if it's wet and things like that but at the same time if they you know if they would ride the correct bikes and rather than insisting on riding 25 mil tubs over these gravel roads then it wouldn't be so dangerous. And so I think it would, you know, the, the Tour de France used to be raced on gravel roads, didn't it? So 
why not? Wouldn't why would Or as they were known in the days, roads. Yeah, so, roads. That's yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah, I think that could be a really that could be a really good addition. I mean, if we look at this year's tour, I mean, what, how, how is that looking TT-wise, you know, for so people there's tuning one... in who know nothing about this year's tour? <laughs> So it's one time trial. It's one time trial, and it's going to be. It's the second to last stage, and it, it, this year is quite an interesting time trial. It's kind of flat, and then goes up the Planche de Belfie, which is a, I think it's a seven, seven or eight kilometer climb. So that'd be quite an interesting one. We might see some bike changes at the bottom. We might see some ultralight TT bikes, and people just sort of stay on them. You know, I'd be really interested to see who can ride up this climb in the aero position. That, that's what I'm really looking forward to. There'll be one monster who'll manage it. I'm sure. Because again, that's a kind of almost a, a, a quite a British idea. I mean, less so because once the time trial season here finishes in normal years, it's onto the hill climb season where time trialists, deprived of being able to do time trials, just race really fast up very well, very short climbs in the UK. But but that that, that again, that sort of idea of a, of a mountain time trial. As a, as a time trial purist, Simon, is, is that actually a time trial? Should it just be a flat, you know, flat flat race along a dual carriageway or? <laughs> no, I like, I, no, I really like a mountain time trial. And I think especially, you know, these days with, you know, how big Strava is, I think that really it's a bit of a trick that they're missing because we all, you know, quite often when we're watching the Tour de France, people talk about how fast they went up the big climbs, et cetera, et cetera. I think it'd be really incredible to see in a pure mountain time trial from the bottom of Mont Ventoux to the top of Mont Ventoux, how fast can the best guys go up that hill? I mean, Jack, surely that would be something you'd like to yeah, see. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you, you know, you're not going to see a bloody bunch uh, finish up Mount Ventoux, but there is, you know, an element of riding with the group when you're at the bottom. So getting that, for lack of a better phrase, a pure view of, of, of absolute performance up there. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Um, and, oh, think of the photos on the line, people dribbling in every sense of the word across the line at the end. It would be just sensational. ASO, make it happen. And, and actually, the other thing, sort of talking about, we've got that this year. Um, so, do you, Simon, do you think that's going to be, is it, is that, could that be decisive or is that going to be too late in the race? Will the race already have been decided there? Will someone be able to make up enough time on, on, on a climber uh, in that time trial, or is that kind of just going to be a bit of a, a, a an end of end of end of race um, bit of fun for for someone? Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to tell. I'm not sure it will be too decisive. I think the fact that it finishes up a climb will really help any climbers who are kind of hovering, obviously around. The, you know the kind of the podium or the win I think if there was a, a much longer flat section leading into it that could potentially you know that would give more time to the time trialists to make up time but I suppose it will really depend on the situation of the race I mean what having watched the Criterium de Dauphiné obviously Primoz Roglic looked in incredible form but then he had a little a wee spill so yeah it's hard to tell Name three people, Simon, that you think could be in contention to win that time trial. And if you get it right, I will buy you a £25 bottle of whiskey. Okay, well, <laughs> I, th- I think I, th- I think Primoz Roglic is going to win the Tour de France, and I think he'll probably win that time trial too. Ooh. Um, <laughs> okay. 
I would have said I would have said Bernal, but he pulled out of the. He, there's there's been rumours on Twitter today that he might not even start the Tour de France and that Richard Carapaz might. Um, so that's not looking good. I mean, you know, if Geraint Thomas was in it was in better form, I would have said him, but he hasn't been sparkling the last few days. It there hasn't. I it's, it, apart from you know apart from Roglic, it's really hard to see anyone who's really flying at the moment. So. So maybe yeah, I'd say let's say Roglic, Bernal, and then I'll throw a wild card of maybe Pavel Sivakov because he he's he's apparently going very well. So, but yeah. Okay, right. Oh, you can hold me to that, <laughs> and if you, if your predictions turn out to be correct, I will buy you a lovely bottle of malt or or twenty five pounds worth of fizzy water. If you <laughs> well, this yeah, we'll see, we'll see. If if he's right and he just wants the fizzy water, Jack, you can donate the whiskey to me. Uh, that, that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with that. A, a 60p bottle of Stockwell and Sons from Tesco's for, for our man Simon. It's a nice single malt for me. Uh, Highland probably would be my preference. But I'll go Speyside if Absolutely. I need to. We've kind of got uh, kind of a bit distracted there because actually the other thing I wanted to touch on when it comes to time trials and, and something that I, I loved, I love watching team time trials. They were just spectacular, or they could be, because you had so much jeopardy. Um, I miss them. You do you miss them, or did you do you prefer it just one man, one bike? Simon, what do you? Yeah, I, I really love the team time trials. Um, it, most people, again, this is slightly. Then you know, I suppose maybe they're not popular because they're not that accessible. But most people who ride road bikes seriously will have ridden in a group. And you know, done sort of through and off turns. And if you're in, you know, if you're struggling, it can be so so hard. So the <laughs> kind of sight of a team in full flight really getting it right and really nailing a team time trial is, from a technical point of view, something to behold, in my opinion. But I can sort of see why, you know, if you're getting it right, it's quite boring because it all looks very smooth. They're just maintaining 60 kilometers an hour <laughs> and they're making it look effortless. It, you know, it kind of only gets interesting when it really falls apart. And obviously if you've got a small climber who's struggling at the back, you know, often that's, you know, Roman Bardet is the classic example of AD2R. Like he's obviously a, you know, a really, really skinny climber and has historically struggled a bit in the time trials. That can be quite interesting, but there, I think they are one. They're one for the kind of for the geeks, aren't they? Jack, what do you, yeah, what do you they're think? also definitely one for the the sadists who like to see a good gnarly crash every <laughs> now and then because a, a team time trial crash could be oh, it's just a mess of like it looks like opening a drawer full of uh, cables. It's just <laughs> such a mess. That's a very good analogy. Yeah, I, 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 I love. I, I stole that actually from uh, this country last night. I watched it. <laughs> oh, and okay. They used that line for, in it. For, it was very, very funny. For those of you who uh, who don't know what that is, uh, particularly our non-English listeners, it's worth looking up on iPlayer. It, it'll give you a really good uh, good idea of what it's like to live where we live. Um, but yeah, for me, the 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 the, the sort of the, the team time trial really because because the Tour de France actually it's. It gets forgotten. It is a team team sport. It's a team effort. You know, the, very rarely do, does someone win the Tour de France without the help of a, a, a whole team behind them. And and the, the team trial team time trial is the kind of the 
is it the antithesis? Is that what I'm saying? Is that kind of that is that's that's the whole that's that's it all coming together? If if say Team Sky as they were, or dare I say their name, US Postal Service, you know, when they were in full flight because they were working as a team for one leader, that actually was quite a beautiful a beautiful thing, man. Despite everything, because it was the, you're still having to ride, you're still having to ride very close to someone, you're still having to not cross wheel and crash and slide on a dustbin lid, a dustbin lid on a, a manhole cover, that kind of thing. So I, I do, I used to really enjoy them. But then I also had that kind of the slight thing where, oh, also well, one of those guys gets an advantage in a yellow jersey, but you know, yeah, but loads of other blokes did some work as well. But it is a team sport, Simon. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think as well, you know, I, I think the organisers don't like them because obviously the team time trials really favour the kind of big money squads like Team Ineos who can afford, you know, eight star riders and they can also afford to put those eight star riders in the wind tunnel. And they can afford custom skin suits, custom bikes, all of these things. And so those are those kind of, you know, what, what Dave Railsford likes to call marginal gains that actually add up to a huge gain when you're just on your own and there's eight of you and you're all working together and, and you know you've got the eight best riders and they or the you know the one best gc guy and the the seven best domestiques so the gaps could be you know the gap if we had the kind of 60 kilometer team time trials that you would have seen during the armstrong years the the kind of gaps we'd see today against some of the smaller teams like say you know, the teams like EF Education First, they do incredibly well with the budget they've got, but they simply don't have the resources to 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 compete with teams like Ineos. And it's, um, yeah, that, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, but I'm just, I'm going to circle back to, to Jack's sadist comment, actually, so I'll put my hand up for that one. But but the other thing I, I, I do like, and this is, this is just shows what a petty and horrible person I probably am, is, is the time trial is the one place where you actually can see professional riders being not very good at something because you know when they're in the when they're in the bunch when yeah. they're in when they're in the yeah. peloton even when they're climbing you can look at them climbing and go yeah I get that that's a horrible big climber he's a big sprinter guy but when you see I don't know it used to be climbers particularly who were just awful at time trialing terrible positions couldn't handle those bikes up. There was a horrible part of me that used to quite enjoy that in a comedy comedy value way. It's just me, though, isn't it? No, I, I, yeah, it's it's it is interesting to to see how you, you know the people make people you know climbers have historically done this. They've they've made a huge deal about buying you know the lightest tubulars for their for their hill for their bike for the big mountain stage and then they ignore the time trial and they turn up in a baggy skin suit they haven't been in the wind tunnel you know they've kind of got cables of their bikes hanging out everywhere you know you see it less these days but it certainly used to be something they you know they'd lose five minutes there and then gain two seconds from shaving off 20 grams wasn't there dan craven i can't remember what event it was in where he famously like yeah, Rio, he live tweeted or something throughout I think, the... I uh, think to Dan, Dan Craven at the Rio Olympics rode a road bike. <laughs> yes, that was it. It's was, incredible. Uh, Absolutely he, incredible. He was riding for Namibia. He was riding he? for that? Namibia, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. The, the, the Rio Olympics individual time trial, which was won by a, a resurgent Fabian Cancellara, a true, a true legend of time trialing, um, 
yeah, Dan Craven qualified for Namibia, and I think he rode a he rode a Cannondale Super Six, the old one, not the air one, if I if I remember correctly. But um, you know, that guy is a bit of a legend for being a bit quirky, isn't he? He really was. He yeah, was I met showing, him. I, he was just showing off. I, I met him. <laughs> I met him at a press launch a few years ago, and he was very very funny. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at the. Uh, there's an original story from that, and it was he only decided to take a spot in the Olympic time trial after consulting his Twitter followers <laughs> when they said, yeah, go for it, mate, why Excellent. not? I just think that's, yeah, yeah what, what a protest against the concept of time trials. I think that's something for you, Jack, uh, and your Instagram followers is to... Um... Is to is to sort of put out votes. Should you do the Olympics next year? I think they'd all, I think they'd all say yes. I think they'd all say yes. Which is, I'll try qualify we're, for we're, the influencing yes. Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you talked about uh, Cancellara there, actually, Simon. I think mean, why don't we end? You know, you you are the. I mean, to me, Cancellara actually would be one of the ultimate time trialists. Yeah, Tour de France time trialists, because there have been rides that he, he has done that are just that take your breath away. Just the, just his skill was, you know, as a, as someone who paces himself, but someone as a bike rider, bike rider, bike, someone as a bike rider, someone as a bike rider, his handling skills on those on, on bikes that are reasonably hard to handle when descending in particular. You know, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It is one of those things Watching a time trial is where you really can see the technique of a rider, can't you? You really get to realise that that person is just a, a perfect riding machine. You know, they are, they are so tuned into their bikes themselves. So, who, have you got a favourite T-tier yeah, in I, a Tour de France context? I, I, I think I think I have a number. I think there were there were a few years when Tony Martin was at the top of his game, and. His, you know, his he was nicknamed the Panzer Wagon because he was just head and shoulders above above everyone. You know, he was the kind of guy who took the kind of world championship titles from Fabian Cancellara. And I, you know, I really liked Tony Martin for his face that he made when he was time trialing. <laughs> he used to time trial with his mouth kind of hanging wide open, but also the kind of technical decisions that he made were so ahead of his time. He was riding clinchers, you know, and, and it, you know, even, even these days people still use tubulars, but even, you know, clinchers have been shown to have lower rolling resistance. And so he was using those. He would be using 58 tooth chain rings before that was a big deal. He was very, very particular about his skin suits and his positioning. He, he was so narrow at the front. Uh, he, you know, his his kind of his position is very, you know, nowadays looks quite dated because he had low, flat hands compared to the kind of high hands position, positions that we see now. But he rode like an absolute train. There was just something so impressive about his kind of low cadence, turning that fifty-eight tooth chain ring at the front and just absolutely annihilating everyone that yeah it, it was incredible my favorite time trialer of all time is simon <laughs> Bromley, my dear colleague and good friend who gets the most out of nothing and wrote a wonderful story on his planet x exocet 2 time trial bike which you can read on bikeradar.com and does simon have a nickname along the lines of panzer the panzer wagon <laughs> Well, Simon's quite fastidious in his approach to cycling and most things in life, so I've taken to calling him Compromises Bromley <laughs> to reflect his uh, lack of flexibility when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> but he won't be—he won't be 
riding the time trial of this year's Tour de France more, which is a shame. I'm for too everyone, busy writing for bikeradar.com. You, you are, but you're, you're time trialing through content rather than <laughs> continent. So that's what I like. That's how I like to see it. Well, there we go. That, that was time trials. I, I think, you know, we like them. That, that That's fair. We like them. We'd like to see more of them at the Tour de France, I think. We'd like to see them come back. We'd definitely like to see uh, the team trial, ret- the team time trial return. Uh, what do you think, people, listeners, dear listeners, what do you think? Do you like time trials? Should we see more of them? Should we see none of them? Should we just see uphill time trials? Should we see just a downhill time trial? <laughs> yeah. A gravel, yeah. A gravel time trial, you know. Uh, or is the tour as be- a beautiful thing just as it is? As ever, thank you very much for listening and, um, you know, do subscribe if you don't already subscribe. Tell your friends about our podcast. And finally, of course, a very big thank you to uh, Simon Bromley and Jack Luke. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Bye, Rob. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.